Next voice message. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not since the storming of the Alamo has my jaw dropped as hard as it did when I heard about offline. I think the most outrageous part was for a second, I thought it was your famous voiceover actor friend who was doing the read for it, which got me thinking maybe maybe there's some material here to mine for your own benefit, the way Jean Favreau has mined Landline for his. Um, I wonder if your famous voiceover actor friend would do the read and then you could use it as your own promotional material. Just a thought. Love you, Landline. Bye. End of message. To erase this message, press 7. To save it, press 9. To Message erased. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Landline Podcast. Did you jump it? Oh, it's been jumped. Are you in it? I'm, uh, I'm in it driving. You sound great. Well, that's good. I, uh, I feel great. Well, here you're, you're gonna hear. You're gonna feel a little better right now. Hold on one second. Let's just let's all take a moment. Friday morning, we've done our sun salutations. We've jumped our car batteries. We've gotten half our poop out. Had it. Too, too too many cups of coffee. And now? Drinking wine with a friend. The good times never end. Having a glass and tapping that ass. Yeah, it's a good time when it's two guys and one cup. Having adventures and sharing emotions. Two guys and one cup. Lathering up with so many lotions When friends get together to drink wine You know they're gonna have a good time It's two guys in one cup Forever and ever God, that song is good. So good, so heartfelt. Oh my God, it's like, uh, it's like uh, I mean, like, cheers, eat your heart out. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, he was meatloaf. He was ahead of his time. 
So I mean, what um, what what wine are we drinking? Do you have you can you open a bottle while you're driving, or how's this going to work? I can. I always have wine everywhere, and this is a work truck, so it is actually powered by Chardonnay. Um, so I can just tap that. Ah, I got a cup of Joe in front of me with Oatly in it. Nice. Um, I've got a Honduran cup of coffee myself. Um, it's it's uh it was washed the the processing was washed it's not natural processing what's the difference between washed and natural processing i know a little bit about it but do you know well, i think the natural processing when they have those lemur raccoon like animals consume the beans and then crap them out right there isn't that's a, that there that's is a vietnamese coffee that's like 50 bucks a pound yeah right is it like is it i thought it was like rhinoceros or an elephant in the dung is it is it some sort of lemur i thought it was some sort of smaller creature and it's in the dung i mean think about that gig what'd you do today honey yeah just poking through raccoon shit all day <laughs> uh yeah i uh i couldn't tell you i don't know how coffee's made never been it's something I'm dependent on, and something I just don't care about. Well, there's some uh, sort of there's some sort of natural fermentation process that takes place. So I thought you'd know about that, but yeah, I don't. Okay, well, I I brought um some ephemera. Well, wait, hold on, I had to play that um two guys one cup off my cell phone. So let me just throw my cell phone out of the phone booth. It's bad juju to have it in here. Um, should, should I throw my phone? Out of the car? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to have a good day. Um, okay, so here's some ephemera to just set the stage for this conversation. I found some flyers of one of our original projects, um, and uh, this must have—I must have found them about three years ago—and I put them on top of the phone booth once the phone booth came in for a moment, just like this. They're uh, a third of an eight and a half by eleven page, so that means they're. Let's see, 2.75 by 11, something like that. And um, they're in neon, like, eighth grade science project colors, yellow, pink, and sort of a kind of a, I guess, an auburn magenta. And they say on them, they're flyers, hot pizza and cold beer, Mondays at Riverside Market, 4 to 9. And come enjoy good people and great food while supporting neighborhood businesses. Um, and then we've got doodles, literally doodles, which I assume you did, although they're bad enough that maybe I did them or maybe your wife did them. We've got a brick oven with um, pizzas going in, fresh all-natural toppings, cold beer on tap, and what looks like a styrofoam cup, but I think it must just be an overflowing glass, pint glass. The original Recession Pies logo, and then the Riverside Market logo, and um, so that's one and two, and then I've got the menu here, Um, the original Recession Pies menu. Do you want to comment on the first flyer before I go, or should I just blow through it? I I definitely drew those. Do do the characters in them have large noses? There's no humans. Uh, I still drew them. I, I feel like they the the characters that would have eaten these would have had large noses. I can say that. <laughs> it looks like a type of pizza that a large nosed person would eat. Um, um, tell me about the Nancy Sinatra. I've been eyeing it on the menu all day. So the Nancy Sinatra was not part of the original. Now these are the pies. So Tim and I started a. Oh. Tim and Rachel and I started a 
company called Recession Pies in 2008 in Bend, Oregon. We started off with meat pies and we moved to pizzas. And, um, you know, that can be for another podcast because we're going to get into soft serve ice cream today. But the Nancy, what we ended up doing is we, we failed at the meat piles, pies, so we decided we'd fail at the pizza. But no, we were ahead of our time, let's be honest. This, this um, meat pie recipe includes pizza. So this is kind of like we were mid-transition between, between, you know, what do you call a mid-transition entity? This is between meat pies and pizza. It had both. So we've got... We were trans pie at the time. We were trans pie. We, we, we've got meat. We've got spicy chicken with blue cheese. Yeah, ste- Steak and cheese with peppers and onions. And a barbecue pork with black beans and pineapple. Do you remember the original price? Ooh, seven bucks. $4.50. Maybe that's why we failed. <laughs> and on the vegetable side... Kale, spinach, zucchini, and mushroom with feta. Tomato, artichoke, basil, and mozzarella, which I don't remember that one. And a curried potato, cauliflower, pea. So those are the those were the savory pies, hearty fillings, and a flaky crust. And on the thin crust pizza side, which is hand-rolled dough and homemade sauce. God, we're good marketers. Roasted garlic, fresh basil, Italian meats. Italian meats, yeah, right. Uh, uh, me- meats from a CAFO in the middle of Iowa with an Italian name. Um, fresh greens and vegetables, daily specials, 6 to $8 for an entire 10-inch pizza. And contrary to public opinion, we had sweet pies, apple, pear, strawberry rhubarb, and seasonal berry, $3.50. I, I literally have no recollection of ever making any of these fillings. Did I never? Was it just that I never made them? I was just the dough guy. Uh, you might have been the dough guy. I I think you you might have just let the the fillings be a battle between Rachel and I. That was like a it's kind of a proxy war that you were fighting. Obviously, she was going to win. Hold on, I got to turn off the forced air. Demand perfect sound, as the landline listeners know. And uh, finally, in this stack of flyers... Oh, wait, you want to talk about fillings? I know that nobody liked the fact that I was putting pineapple with pulled pork and black beans. Um, We made all these pies for our holiday party, and we still have some frozen... So I can I could FedEx you one. Do you want me to like cook it first and send it to you, or should I send it to you frozen? Yeah, the the former would be best. And then um, the, the last flyer in this stack is the original flyer for the pizza oven we bought, um, the Marin by Pacific Coast Brick Ovens, three foot brick oven pizza oven, granite mantle, stainless steel chimney, propane hookup. Do you want to guess? It's it's once used for upscale pizza and breads. This wood burning oven are now being used for baking, roasting, braising, and grilling. There's no human being on the on the earth that's ever braised in this pizza oven that was only good at 900 degrees. Um, 
Can you tell me what you think the price of that item was? Uh, seventeen ninety-five. Well, at least you're under twenty-one ninety-five. Okay. So, just we 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 have a we have a thick pass, Tim. That was fourteen years ago. That's amazing. Also, what's amazing to me is that like, I'm I hope that oven's still in operation. Well, we know that the there were two women who took over the pizza cart as I sold it to them and ran it for, I think, about eight years successfully. And then I think COVID hit and owning a mobile brick oven pizza company maybe um, that specialized in, in events was no longer um, sort of viable. Yeah. Yeah. But the coolest thing, or at least to me, and then I'll move on to, to more pressing topics is I wrote a letter to my grandmother dated May 28th, 2009, on the back of these flyers and sent it to her. Never mailed it. And mailed it. And then okay. when she passed away, I was given the letter back, which is that is that how we should – I mean, maybe we should settle that score. When you send somebody a letter and they die, is it is it contingent upon their relatives to give you the letter back? I don't know if that's – Good, good I or think bad. So. It made me feel good, um, but maybe I'll read the letter during one of the breaks on today's show. So it's either that, Alex, or put them all in the Library of Congress. You know. Well, it's I feel like yeah, it's true. I mean, it's funny you say that because I was complaining about um, how many hits the last pod got because the first one was so well received, and the second one hasn't been keeping pace. And my lovely wife, who's always the supporter said that um, I wasn't doing it for listens. I was doing it for the Library of Congress. So um, it's funny how you two are on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, we see the big, the long game, Alex. We're, we're long-term investors in you. Good morning to everyone. Welcome back to Landline Podcast. Welcome to our listeners in Australia, Canada, Germany, Belgium, the U.K., Spain, Chile, and New Zealand. It's basically a... a a NATO-only crowd out there. Thanks so much for listening. Call the landline, 503-894-8480. Um, Tim, our Craigslist winemaker, is back. We can't do two guys, one cup today because we just we have children and we can't drink an entire bottle of wine and talk on the phone together. I mean, we could, but we're really not ready to deal with the consequences. I'm in my Gap boxer briefs, which are like a blue camo and a dirty t-shirt i went bike riding in yesterday um my children have been taken out of the home tim's on his way to work what do you have going on at work today tim well i got a big day i got a big day i'm um i have a call with ownership around 11 where i get to pretend like i know what's going on in the winery and then and pretend i care about what's going on in the winery um and then uh i've got a friday lunch and then around 1.30 p.m., I have a blending session with a custom crush client um, where we're going to try to pound out some blends so we can bottle a bunch of stuff in two weeks. And with the blends, are you you're, you're blending from giant tanks into like a, a plastic scientific pitcher, stirring with a spoon and then taking a guzzle and seeing if you like it? I mean, how does that that's work? Ex- that's exactly how it works. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. We just like walk around with a little bucket and pull stuff out until we like what it tastes like and then try to figure out what happened. And at that's some how, point, that's you how just, all wine is made. And you basically at some point just have to say, like, that's good enough and go for it? Totally. It's like, I mean, 
And if we like it, then there's a good chance that 90% of our consumers will like it. And at what time today will your employment responsibilities force you to start drinking alcohol? Um, well, I pushed them off a little bit, but generally, uh, yesterday I started around 8.30 a.m. Ugh. And, and, you know, what, where, how have you, you know, any new, since the last time we've spoken about your day drinking, like any new morning sort of cheats to, you know, for all those degenerate gamblers or, um, you know, mommy blog alcoholics, is there anything that you can share with the people to get through an 8.30 glass of wine? Like, are you taking a, a brisk walk at 10.15? Are you hammering that espresso machine I know you have at work? Like, a lot of water? What, what have you, what, what sort of wisdom, I mean, you're approaching 40, what sort of wisdom can you bring us in terms of day drinking? A lot of water. A lot of water. Midday exercise when possible. And when all else fails, like a cheeseburger. Mm. Um, those are sort of the tools in my tool belt to get me through the day. Um, but, yeah, I would say water. And then also recognizing that there's a, there's a, a point, for me at least, where it, I don't, I'm not making any more progress in my actual work. I'm just swishing things around my mouth. And I, uh, at that point, I just know to cut my losses and start again the next day. Mm. So. Well, I brought you on today. Hopefully, we're going to get you on the way home as well, and we'll see the uh, contrast there. But I did want to sort of both start, tell, and finish the story of the soft serve because there's, there's an update for you that you don't know yet. And Craigslist is at the core. Um, right. So... I'll try as much as I can to get through the story in an efficient manner, and, and that way you know, we can hear from you because I think that's really what people are interested in when they turn on my podcast is to hear from the guests. So, uh, so you know, background that you know, but um, spiritually and, and uh, you know, um, philosophically a little background on my point of view Love soft serve. I mean, did you did you grow up going to the soft serve place in in West Lab that was like right at the gas station, um, old West Lab, you know, right past Sachem Field into Lebanon, and then and that place right at the I mean, window. Of course, I did. So that that was a big thing we would do, like in the spring and early summer on school nights. We would go get soft serve. And having my own kids now, I realize, and I, obviously the, I was older when this all happened, but kind, you need something to do after dinner with your kids before it's time for them to go to bed. And you kind of run out of options, right? There's only so many walks around the neighborhood you can do. You don't really want them watching TV. They need your attention. Getting them in the car and strapping them in and driving them to an ice cream joint is not a terrible option. So... We used to do soft serve there, and it was classic, probably made by Hood, New England favorite, you know, vanilla chocolate, twist, and then there were chocolate and, and rainbow sprinkles, dip. which, we, yeah, we referred didn't they, have, didn't, they have the, didn't they have the full dip, though? They had the like dip. The, yeah, the, absolutely. The dip, chocolate, the dip. And then at some point when, like, the 80s were getting phased out and, like, the late 90s, early 2000s were getting phased in. You started to see the cherry dip, uh, and then you started cherry to dip. see the, the, the 
flavor burst. Do you remember the flavor burst? No, but it was I like can imagine this, it in my mouth. It was, <laughs> it was this, it was this goo. It was this goo that went around the edges, like the the definitive edges of the soft serve, um, you know, dye. Yeah, that... yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's like there was an injection point at some point, and it it was on the edge of the like the edge of the star, right? Exactly. The edge of the star yeah. would get you a like a blue raspberry flavor burst, and you know, I believe it's called razzleberry. And and no one in my family was gonna support that. Like I would have to order that when maybe nobody else was around. But soft serve became a love of mine. And so in the last few years, one of my landline projects has been discovering that soft serve is basically made of shit. It has tons of stabilizers, tons of phony ingredients. It's tang. I like to call it like a tang ice cream. It's either a powder. Or it's a you know a frozen and then liquefied carton of mix that's just full of a bunch of bullshit, and so I went on this quest to discover can you make soft serve with real ingredients, and so I spent some time at business school discovering it. I spent some money on developing a recipe with an ice cream maker. I presented it to you know venture capitalists in a presentation at school with samples that I put in these little um, cups and it had been flavored with all local maple syrup or maple sugar actually and blah, blah, blah. And really what it was was a great way for me to tell people that I had this awesome idea and tell and have them tell me, it, that's fantastic, you should do that and blah, blah, blah. So I've been obsessed with this idea of replacing bullshit soft serve with great soft serve. And so I went so far at the beginning of COVID to purchase a soft serve machine on Craigslist from a guy who had it in a shed in McMin McMinnville, a place you probably know well, um, for a pizza restaurant that had shut down because of the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I bought this gigantic Taylor soft serve machine, put it in the minivan, drove it back to the house, and stupidly paid an electrician, I think $375 to install a 220 outlet in my basement um, started, you know, getting all the bells and whistles I needed from cash and carry to make this happen. The 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 uh, food safe buckets, the giant bowls, the giant whisk, blah blah blah, and started doing recipe testing for soft serve. So, just you know, another chapter in like the the pizza cart ideas of Alex McKay. I guess what where do you chime in now? I mean what what is your what what how can you be my Ed McMahon on that little speech, Tim? You know, did you think it was a good idea? Were you excited to try it? Um do you the care? Soft serve? Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about my soft serve project? You know, I love soft serve. I think that I've come to being in like a, a luxury commodity production for as long as I've been, uh, I I sort of thought to myself, if it ain't broke, why fix it? And I understand that uh, soft serve is full of a bunch of malarkey, but um, I feel like most people just don't care. Um, but I, I thought it was a, you know, I thought it was a bit chaotic in, in, in scope. But I know, man, I was like, I was supportive of it. I sort of 
felt like if you can do it um, and it could pencil, like why not consume real things instead of fake things? Um, I think people care about that now. But, but yeah, I was, you know, I wouldn't say I was, I would have invested, but, uh, you know, expecting never to see my money back again. Like most of my projects. So, um, so blah, 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 soft serve. The reason people do it in the first place is the profit margin, right? You see these sales sheets from the distributors that show you that 19 cents of product you can sell for $2 and 50 cents. And like, that's all inflation adjusted for 1987. So today you're, you could be in, you know, 70, 80 cents for a cone labor, the whole nine yards and end up getting four or five bucks out of it. And that's why those places in vacation destinations can be open three months a year because they're making that much profit to pay their overhead for all 12 months, even when it's snowing or raining and nobody's buying any soft serve. Okay, so my idea is not to open a soft serve place. It's to create an alternative mix where I can create this amazing, you know, locally sourced, organic, non-artificial, animal humane product that I can then sell to these soft serve places and tell them this is a better product, it's better quality, you can still get a great profit margin on it, and this is what people are looking for is like the alternative. Okay, so I start recipe testing, blah, blah, blah. And really what I get into is this situation where I'm dealing with gallons of milk and pounds of sugar. Like, there is more sugar in the soft serve mix that I'm making than there is milk. Like from a weight perspective, the sugar literally outweighs the milk. Just simple syrup. And I'm just, you know, stirring with this whisk and my kids are asking, is the ice cream ready yet? Is the ice cream ready yet? Meanwhile, you have to sanitize the entire machine. I'm watching a video on YouTube that's a copy of the original VHS that got sent out to all the people with the Taylor soft serve machine how to set it up. I'm loving that. I'm loving lubing all of the gaskets, putting all of the, you know, different pieces together on the machine, pouring it into hopper, turning it on, getting it cold, waiting, and then pulling this beautiful ice cream out. But I just can't stand how the volume, like this is something where, you know, you have a lot of experience with giant volume. If you're doing an ice cream project in a basement without like all of the, you know, equipment that you need and all of the cleaning and the industrial dishwasher and the hoses you wish you had, you're basically like shuffling between bikes and file cabinets with like this five pound bowl of like cold sugar milk that you could spill at any time. Everything is sticky. Your hands are sticky you're pouring it into the hopper of this machine because you have to have enough that it actually like goes above a sensor for the machine to work. And then even if it does work, if your recipe did work, you're stuck with like 40 cones of ice cream that you have to get rid of before you end up just draining out the rest of the material, pouring in a bunch of hot water, cleaning it for another hour, and like, I don't know, throwing all this product down the sink. So, I mean, you know, I was thinking... I was thinking about like the community oven recently and like those, those, those not cultural, but sort of those, those centers of community that, you know, historically people have used to gather and 
create things together. And I feel like you got the soft serve machine at the perfectly wrong time because had it not been the pandemic, you would have made that. And then you just would have put up flyers around the neighborhood saying, hey, every Sunday afternoon, we're going to try a new soft serve. And all your neighbors would just know from two to four to drop in and get a cone. Um, but it just didn't seem to fly. Well, yeah. so let's dig deep on that because I think we're getting to the crux of why I can't get over myself. So let's say I open the door to the basement, which has a nice little approach down our driveway, and I could have even made a Dutch door so I could have stood there in an apron with my mustache ah. handing out free cones of soft serve. Is it is that hot is it that society isn't like ready for that because everyone's wearing a mask and you could get COVID from that guy and he's weird and you know why is why is there a guy in the neighborhood with a mustache like who wants little kids to come get free soft serve out of his basement like is that okay like is it that society is wrong or you know, or just, you know, the 1950s are over and nobody has sort of the genuine love and appreciation they used to? Or is it that I'm just afraid of serving something to people and hearing what they think of it? Like, you know, people, when they, even my friends, when they start tasting it or coming over, are there any toppings? Like, no, it's not a toppings thing. Like, I fucking hate, I hate yogurt places with topping bars, okay? I just, it's not for me. And like, I'm because I'm a psychotic person, the fact that you asked me for toppings means I don't want you to have any of this ice cream. And no ice cream for you. And you know, is it you know, are they saying it's good because they don't want to hurt my feelings? I'm not getting actual feedback here. Then I'm like the ice cream guy. I have to say hello to people when I'm walking the dog. When's the next ice cream gonna be around? It's like it's a relatively big burden. Plus, your house is your place of you know worship and sleep and you know college basketball watching do you actually want to open it up also to a place that everyone associates associates with like the ice cream guy do you want to be identified as the ice cream guy i mean it is somewhat exposing people might think of course you're perfect for that i don't know man like would you want everyone coming and like drinking your like hooch experiments that you're having out at the back of your house out of your garage in petaluma well, I've been thinking about that because Petaluma has, it's like on every block of our little town, we have the little neighborhood libraries, like the book, you know, whatever they're called, lending libraries. Um, and I, I want, in my yard, I want to put in a wine library mm. with a very loose, loose checkout policy. Um, like, just trade me whatever you want. You know, it's like, take a bottle, leave me something. Leave me a poem. Leave me a story. Um, leave me five bucks, or don't leave me anything. Leave me a flaming bag of dog shit. I don't care. But I, um, I feel like that system would get abused pretty quickly. And then once the teenagers, you know, caught on, I'd, uh, it'd lock me up and throw in a key. You so, should, there's uh, this. There's this woman in um, Portland that has like wacky hipster vending machines that she stocks so it's like there'll be you know like um like condoms right or like little like single-use vibrators but also there'll be um tarot cards and there'll be like 
zines that people have made and they'll be um you know whatever some like hipster lip gloss or something and she stocks them and there's some sort of like you know nudie mag that's in there and various fun stuff for people to buy at bars um when they're stoned and drunk and looking for some entertainment maybe you need to do a collab with her on how to make some sort of gate for the wine vending machine like there could be is there a way, I wouldn't suggest a text message, but maybe there needs to be a, a bat phone where they pick up the phone and it rings to you and you like ask them a question, uh, a trivia question that illustrates whether or not they're over 21. And if they are, you like give them the code to get inside the wine library. Yeah, that could work. I like that idea. I mean, this is oh. where I think you should quit your job and we should spend the next six months sinking whatever money we have into this idea. That's the difference between you and me and your wine and my ice cream. Um, so, blah, blah, blah. We have some great ice cream. The best one we made was with oat milk, and it was flavored with cardamom and orange oil. People are yeah. loving it. I could never truly get the mix to be the perfect, creamy, space-age, emulsified tang that I was looking for because I was using natural ingredients. But one thing I was thinking of while I was doing it all is just just the cows, man. Like, you know, let's all just reiterate what milk is. It's a bunch of cows living in a barn, getting artificially inseminated. It takes all the fun out of being pregnant. They don't even get to have sex. They get pregnant. They have their calf. The calf gets taken away from them. If it's a boy calf, it gets turned into hamburger. If it's a girl calf... It gets turned into another milking cow to get artificially inseminated. And then they've just got robots sucking out all the milk of their teats in order to go into giant tanker trucks to get stuck in traffic jams on the I-5. And if you're, I was sitting there with all this milk I'm pouring in, even though it was like in glass bottles from local farms. You know, I'm spending $80 on recipe testing every time I do it. And I'm just realizing, like, do I really want to support this industry like is this what the world needs is this what the world needs is another reason to use milk and it's kind of a weird thing like are you doing the world a favor because you're finding like a sort of not healthy but at least socially morally just you know way to use the excess milk or are you doing the world like you know whatever the opposite of a favor is by just creating more demand for this product that ultimately we should be eating you know one tenth of and this is where i actually do really value your opinion because you just don't have these kind of moral challenges i do as it relates to whether or not you want to create to you know create businesses out of things like this not that you're not a moral person but you know, do you like do you worry about that? Like, do you worry about that with any of the wine you're making that you're just buying? You're just creating a market for for, I guess, some sort of product that you wish actually didn't exist. Um, well, you know, it's a reasonable question. I think that's more of a question for an economist and a conversation about externalities versus like. Are all of our individual actions and decisions to participate in businesses like are the negative impacts the cause of that or just sort of a like i said a, an externality i i think i think i have my own hang-ups with wine um and i understand why you might have your own hang-ups with 
uh, creating a business that uses milk. But I could also see you having hang up with a business that uses oat milk because though it's uh, a vegan product and ostensibly natural, you know, all you got to do is read the side of a container of Oatly and you realize that, like, yeah, it's a substitute and it does a pretty good job, but there's a bunch of weird shit in there. Um, so, you know, I don't know, man. I think you got to just – I try to – weigh everything as pros and cons and then try to do do more good than I do bad um, and try to find satisfaction in that but you know I, I get how you can get hung up on um, hung up on these things I think that it's a it's it's a complicated world are you at yeah. work because your sound just got so much better yeah I parked I'm underneath the solar panels. Nice. There's a positive externality. All right, we'll, we'll finish up here because the, the, we're going to talk on your way home. Aren't you so excited? So Can't wait. Ultimately, just to finish with the milk, I went so far as to use the internet, which I do use occasionally, to find a farm in New Hampshire that a young couple is farming where they're actually keeping the calves with the cows and milking them. Now, I have no idea if they're successful, if they're living off, you know, an endowment, if they're living off government subsidy, if they're charging $15 a gallon for milk. But what a cool idea where you could be getting your milk from a farm where all the calves get to stay with their mothers at least until they're old enough that they don't need to be drinking the milk anymore. And then that made me do the math where it's like, okay, just starting a soft serve company for my own benefit is not really the organic in the small o organic method that I'm into it's more like if you lived next to that farm and they were like we can't get rid of all of our milk we'd love to have another way to make it you know marketable that's when you start start the soft serve and that's where I arrived at the fact that the fucking idea I have already exists which is Strauss Creamery which we already know which is a, cons yeah. a consortium of California farms in Marin County who have these beautiful pastures all along the Pacific Ocean. Their cows are living, I would say, you know, at least a decent, if not amazing life. They have delicious milk, butter, all of this stuff, and they make soft serve mix, and it's fucking delicious. So I, I, I decided I would shelve this project, not to mention the sugar. I mean, does the, does, does the fat world need any more sugar? I think not. And... Fast forward to the part that I thought would take up the bulk of our conversation. I sold the soft serve machine on Tuesday morning with Homer to a restaurateur on Craigslist. And I got $2,000 in cash for it, which I think is about 80%. It's either 80% or 110% of what I paid. Um, I then went on Craigslist, found a $40 Cuisinart tabletop ice cream maker in a brand new box that a guy with face tattoos was selling in his track house near a storage unit um, in a bad part of town. Homer and I drove there, texted Anna before I got out of the car in case I was never seen from again, and got a new ice cream maker for $40, and yesterday made chocolate chip, toasted coconut, hazelnut, raisin ice cream with Homer that everyone thinks is delicious. I mean... I think the scale's the right scale. I, uh, I'm proud of you for selling it. 
and I'm proud of, but more importantly, I, I would say I'm proud of you for buying the soft serve machine and having that as a, a part of your story. No one can ever take that away from you. Um, and I mean, let's, if we're going to talk about 80%, let's talk about the complete uh, compressor rebuild that you had to perform. <laughs> I think uh, any sort of financial scrutiny of your return on investment would uh, suggest that it's perhaps a bit lower. But was your return on investment in fun um, and learning and storytelling? Uh, you know, who's to say? I, uh... <laughs> well, I, I once met with a gentleman named Zen Freeze, pun intended. That's not a, that's not a real thing. He's a cinematographer for Nike commercials, and we met at a tea shop called Thai Tea Chai. No, no. Chai. Tay Tea Chai. Something. Anyways, I was looking for a job, and I had no idea what I was doing, and we had a nice chat. He really didn't know what to do with me. But at the end of the call, he mentioned how Americans are so focused on what's behind number door number two, what's behind door number three, and they never think about the fact that if they just opened a door, that there could be multiple doors behind it that would go deep and, and um, you know, uh, uncover all co kinds of different opportunities, and they're always worried about what doors that are not going to open and closing doors. Well, I'm, I'm closing the door on SoftServe for now. I did have an amazing fantasy right before the guy came to buy it about how I could still do it at the farmer's market. I could get all local berries, and every Saturday this summer I could be selling it. It did the math in my head. I could make $10,000 a week, blah, blah, blah. But maybe the fantasy itself was just as good as putting all that sugar and milk together for, you know, six months a year. So um, long live the soft serve machine. The soft serve machine is dead. Long live the soft serve machine. Um, it's not dead. It's just like the pie cart. It's, it's on to its next life. It's dormant in my mind. And maybe I'll just you, move, your mind. Maybe I'll just move next to the, uh, the um, calving dairy farm and sell $14 cones there. I think the inflation has finally caught up to what price I need to charge for this item. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a plan. Whether or not it's a good one is to be seen. All right. Have a nice um, drink at work, and we'll talk to you in a couple hours. Okay. Bye. Landline. Okay. We're going to go do a, an experiment. Come with me. So what kind of tree is this? Huh. I don't hear any. Do you hear any bees? Let's wait till this car. Come, come closer because these headphone strings are too long. Okay, so what we're doing is sort of called a sound bath, which is pretty popular in places like Joshua Tree and the Sonoran Desert. We're going to put our microphone up into these two beautiful blooming cherry trees. We're going to record 30 seconds of sound at 9th. Okay, ready? No talking. One, two, three.
Okay, here's my question for you, <clears throat> for you. Do you think that the bees are asleep, or do you think that they've moved to a different tree? I think that they are asleep because it's a cold day. So do you think if we tried again at around noon that we might hear some bees? Yeah, because it might get a little sunny. Bees like it when it's sunny. Okay, that's what we'll do. We're going to wait for a few hours and we'll do chapter two of the Cherry Tree Beer Beer. Cherry Tree Bee Sound Bath. Okay. Okay, over and out. Bye. Landline. Okay, here's the letter I wrote my grandmother on the back of these recession pies flyers. May 28th, 2009. Dear Mumum. Thank you so much for my birthday money. I hope you had a wonderful birthday as well. I managed to get a large group of people over to my house for a barbecue. It was also Easter. I went to church in the morning with a nice girl from Tennessee and then ate ribs and drank mint juleps, played lawn bocce, and had an egg toss with around 25 other people. It was quite the day. I decided to write this letter on a collection of flyers and information cards associated with my new business so that you can get a better idea of what it is I'm doing out here. This specific flyer is an advertisement for the pizza oven we own. The basics of our company are as follows. My friend Tim from Hanover, his girlfriend Rachel, and I own a trailer and a pizza oven mounted on the top. The trailer has a refrigerator and various storage spaces that allow us to cook right on the spot. It even has a hand-washing sink. We started with meat pies, but they pr proved difficult to store, time-consuming to make, and the cost margins weren't very high. Recently, we switched to pizza, thin crust style like in Rome or Naples. Our oven gets up to around 900 degrees Fahrenheit, so when it's working properly, we can cook a pizza in under two minutes. To sell, we set up in downtown Bend and try to get, get the lunch crowd which has proved difficult. We also go out late at night during the weekends for people to get food coming home from the bars and have a few locations around town where we bring the cart every week on the same day and sell it to people sitting down drinking beer and wine. For example, on Memorial Day, we sold 48 pizzas at a little party at the village store down the street from my house. All in all, business has been slow. Bend has been very hard hit by the bad economy, and many businesses are closing. What Tim, Rachel, and I have decided is to spend the summer here and perfect our system, number of pizzas an hour, storage space, menu, prices, sizes, etc., 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 and then move to a more high-volume location in the fall, like San Francisco or Portland. That never happened. We feel as if our idea is solid, our food is delicious, and we're learning a lot. Food traffic and an interested population is our big problem right now. One idea in a bigger city is to go to a different location every night, like a garden space or a wine bar, and sell pizzas like a rotating restaurant that comes to your neighborhood every week at the same time. In any event, I'm having fun. Central Oregon is beautiful. 10,000-foot-high mountains surround Bend, and I skied all winter long. I joined a men's soccer team and play every Sunday with guys who complain about their permanent aches and pains. 
I work hard almost constantly worrying about scheduling. I work hard almost constantly worrying about scheduling and cooking and improving our business any way I can. As always, my dreams of success and innovation are grandiose, but that's sort of the way I like things. Recently, I've missed the East Coast, but I think that's mainly a natural reaction to summer approaching with no Nantucket in my sights. Hopefully, I can come back at the end of the summer and go to Hanover, Nantucket, and New York City and see people all along the way. A few weeks ago, a couple who lived on Cat Rock Road bought a pizza from me at a flea market. That's where she grew up. The other day, a friend commented on a button-down shirt I was wearing. Of course, it was Daz with the J Press still on the label. It reminds me of driving the whaler in Nantucket with his Sankety Pork Pie hat. The entire memory makes me smile wide. I hope that Essex is spring-like and that you're looking forward to going to Nantucket for 4th of July, if that's your plan. Man, Nantucket, Nantucket, Nantucket. Sorry. I miss you and all the Arnoffs and McKays and Sonuses and Cahills and Hydes and hope you share this update with them when they come to visit. I will keep you all informed. All my love, Alexander. That's how you tell your grandmother what a food cart is. Landline. Landline. What were you just saying about the weather? It doesn't sound like it's going to be 62 today because it's gray still. Okay, let's look at the thermometer. Oh, check it out. What does it look? What temperature does that look like to you? 60. Should we go check the bees? Okay, I'm going to get my van flats on. What are you going to wear? I think I want to wear my jeans. Because uh, I can slide them on all easily. Oh, but no socks. That's okay. It's a short outing. No socks is fine. It could go bare feet. Oh. Okay, what do you know what time it is? Can I be talking? You are talking. No, I want to talk in the thing when we get to the bees. Yeah, sure. No, I like be, being the headphone man, actually. Okay, come on. You can be the headphone man. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, here we go. You got to walk with me so we, our headphone cord doesn't. What do you think? You think? Oh, there's a bee by our compost. Nice.
Okay. Do you think that's not as loud as it was when it was sunny out this weekend, though? Do you think? Yeah, but it was good. Okay, so I think we should come out again when the sun breaks through these clouds. We'll see if we can get a better sound. Oh, here comes a hybrid. Okay. Te texting and driving. All right, should we, uh, let's go vacuum out our electric car, and then we'll come back here when the sun comes out. Okay. Bye. Landline. Dewey, I'm going gonna, gonna to do the podcast now. Yeah, yeah okay, so you got to get out of the phone booth, and I'm going to get in it. Oh, nice. Getting into your car, I hear. Oh, I'm in it. I'm in it. I have to go drop the dog off at Carrie and Evans, and then I'm driving back to Petaluma. Okay, hold on one second. Yeah. Well, I need, um, I'm going to talk for Tim for 20 minutes. You and, you and Mom, maybe you guys, why don't you guys take Mom on a scoot around the neighborhood? I'm sure she would love that. Okay. He called back. Wait, will you just call right back so I can get the uh, the um, drama of me answering on the... Are you unwilling to... Uh... Engage in... Here you go. Here, this will cheer you up. The good times never end. Having a glass and tapping that ass. Yeah, it's a good time when it's two guys in one cup. Having adventures and sharing emotions. Two guys in one cup. Lathering up with so many lotions. When friends get together to drink wine, you know they're gonna have a good time. It's two guys. Gosh. All right, I'll call you right back. No, are you calling me back now? Why are you dropping the dog off? No, I mean. No, no. Let's just go for it. We, it's fine. We'll just. Uh, I'll use the power of editing or not to. Yeah. Well, so how do you feel about like an eight-minute hiatus when I do have to drop the dog off? Well, how long is that going to be? How long is the eight-minute hiatus in from now? Oh, maybe five to eight minutes. Okay, sure. I can do hiatuses. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it tight. Um, well, last... Keep it tight. High and tight. Last time we spoke, you were on your way to work. Now you're coming home. I have no recollection of that. But it's five days later. Because I went and sat at the park in the sunshine with a neighbor and their child and my wife and our children on Friday, which was a totally landline experience. I didn't even bring my cell phone. But uh, you guys have a threesome or a No. Me and me and my sons? No. But um you know, I was like, hmm, what are we gonna talk about this time? And I thought I would just list off the ingredients of soft serve. From the side of the carton that's still in my chest freezer. But I have way more pressing pressing things to discuss. Um, which are that 
you work a full-time job and have added a, I would say, semi-full-time project on top of it, and your spouse, who just so happens to be female, is at home, um, and her job is taking care of the children and the home. And interesting enough, I have her job, and my wife has a job and a project on top of it. So I'd like to spend uh-huh. the next hour and 45 minutes with you talking about resentment. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, we can go deep on resentment. Because, I, uh... because really, I mean, Landline Podcast could ma- make some major strides because really it's almost like me and you are in a relationship because you're the worker and I'm the stay-at-home parent. But we're not in a relationship, so maybe we can talk to each other about it in more um, blunt and transparent terms. I mean, totally. I mean, I, I does, think that it, it would it'd be helpful. Because I'm mad at you, Tim, for... And I'm mad at you, Alex. <laughs> for, I mean, how does it feel? I want to know how it feels for you, actually. How does it feel to come home from working not one but two jobs and feeling like you can never do enough to make me happy? man it's, it's tough I think like I get home and and I get home to a house that's a work in progress um, with kids that are works in progress um, and I feel inadequate like I wish I could give my family and my wife more than I can. Um, is there a tiny, you know, is there a tiny, tiny part of you that thinks that maybe more should have been accomplished while you were gone? What, like more at home? Yeah. Um. Again, we're taking no. your, you were taking your spouse and my spouse out of it. Let's just pretend me, yeah. and, me and you. Just finally got through all the cobwebs and just decided to settle in together and yeah. b- bring up our, uh, what do they call it? Not a mixed family, but like a, not a shared family. There's some, like a found family. There's some term for Brady Bunch style families. family? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that I understand the chaos that is home life. Um, and I also understand how challenging breastfeeding is, Alex. You know, it's like uh, like you spend all day chasing kids, and then you actually have to be the food source for these kids. It's crazy. Um, how could I even relate to that? Is it um, is there is there a part of you that thinks being at home is more relaxing than working? No. Interesting. Like zero zero part of me. That's nice. I, mean, I think. Makes me feel seen. Yeah, well, I'm glad. I like being a parent, being a full time primary caregiver is like the real deal. So it's you're always on. There's like a you literally. I mean, maybe you at this point can poop without an audience, but um, I don't think that's a common expectation. And yeah, man, it's like I don't know how. Like it's I don't know where you get your break. Well, I get my break on my commute to and from work. That's it. 
And then, like, the money thing. Like, you, you set out to feel equal because everybody's bringing similar stages of value to the relationship. But I'm not sure we're really in a society where time does equal money because uh, you need money to obtain things, whereas it feels like time is never-ending. There's There seems to be some sort of, at least psychologically, there's a surplus of time, and there's a um, shortage of money. So it just never feels like the value of allowing somebody else to work could ever truly match the value of working if that job is well paid and supporting the rest of the family. So what do you yeah. say what do you say to that? What do I say to that? I think that I didn't really know what you were saying. Um no, I mean like look, everything's a trade off and the recognition for me at this st- stage of life is that though saving money is a nice aspirational goal and you know investing in our 401k is a good idea like we're also just trying to survive and the last couple years have been extra challenging um and you know if we can throw money that we don't really have at a problem and that helps us in some way then you might as well try because it's better than suffering unnecessarily or being in a situation that breeds resentment slash, um, you know, energy that, you know, negative energy that's unnecessary at this point. And do you, life is hard enough. Like, do you think the people in your family know how, I, I guess I'll say I'm guilty of, maybe not recognizing going to work and making money as being that difficult compared to not going to work and not making money. But maybe you want to argue for the other side because we're not finding a ton of success with arguing against each other because ultimately it's a recorded indictment of our spouses, which we're not trying to have. I'm just trying to kind of want you to stand up for yourself so that I can tear you down and stand up for me. Okay, just all right. You're gonna. I just got to Evan and Carrie, so you're gonna have to give me five minutes to reason with your questions, and I'll call you back and I'll let you have it. All right, bye. All right, bye. Landline. Okay, be recording. Take three. Yeah. Now Wednesday. We tried twice on Tuesday. Now Wednesday. I just looked at the thermometer. 61. Yeah. And what what time we got there? Let's do it. What time does the clock say? Um, I can't see. I don't know. All right. Well, those are two different things. It's 312. Here we go. Things to it. I want to be the headphone man. Okay.
Looks like maybe in about five minutes the sun will be out again. Do you think it'll be louder then? All right, you think we got it? Yeah. Can I hear it? Can I take a listen? Landline. Okay, you there? Yeah. Okay, hold on one thing. Sorry about it. Okay. One thing. Landline. Drinking wine with a friend. The good times never end. Having a glass and tapping that ass. Yeah, it's a good time uh, when it's two guys in one cup. Having adventures and sharing emotions. Two guys in one cup. Lathering up with so many notions. When friends get together to drink wine, you know they're gonna have a good time. It's two guys in one cup. I mean, beating a dead horse is is the best. It remains, it remains, Hansberry's like greatest, greatest work. Um, I know maybe the subway guy, or the the subway people would disagree. Was it Miracle Whip? Jared? Um, no, not Jared. No one cares about Jared's opinion. Um, okay, here, no. he, here. before we get back to it, just so you know, I've got this half gallon of Gold artificially flavored vanilla, 4.5% soft serve mix. We've got milk and cream, liquid sugar, which is sugar and water, corn syrup, whey, mono and diglycerides, guar gum, natural and artificial flavor, polysorbate 80, carrageenan, and uh. annatto, which is for color. So I don't know how many of those you put in your wine, but. Definitely the cream. Um, <laughs> how we make it buttery. Um, no, I, look, man, it's, I understand the quest was to figure out how to do it with less of that shit. Um, but that's all the stuff that makes soft serve so damn good, I think. Well, don't, and don't you think Strauss just puts nice milk in it and everything else is all there? Yeah, I think they probably... I mean, guar gum is naturally derived. Um, you can also use potato starch. You can use... I mean, dextrose is naturally derived. I don't know what diglycerides are. Whey is from cows. You don't have to use corn syrup. You can use sugar. Um, and then like polysorbate and all that stuff, those are stabilizers, right? So it, it's, yeah. they probably just aren't buying guar gum or 
potato starch or tapioca starch because it's more expensive um, and they can just have a scientist make it for them. But it's all fine. I, um, I'm making ice cream in the Cuisinart machine number three. We just did our first uh, custard with five whole egg yolks. Um, How was that? Well, it's it's chilling in the fridge, and then we'll throw it into the bowl after dinner to make it. I did already screw up. I'm I'm one for two so far. I made a perfect uh, toasted coconut chocolate chip raisin, and what was the fourth thing? Hazelnut. But then the last one we Funny. made. That's nothing about that sounds perfect to me. But and then um, there was like that, a. It turned out that way. We forgot. I forgot to put the salt in the second measurement and blah 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 but but that like brings us back to our main point it might seem like all fun and games like taking care of kids all day like you're making ice cream you're going to the library you're going to a goodwill store to buy used martini glasses for your upcoming las vegas trip you are getting a bagel and shopping for uh skin on bone in chicken legs for the barbecue which i just started in between your last call and this one uh, Kingsford charcoal, of course, landline, but, but, um, and what's in that shit, by the way, isn't there like some sort of chlorine in there? It's just that Clorox owns Kingsford. Anyways, I don't want to lose. Well, do you know the, do, do you know, do you know the history of Kingsford? Do you know how it started? Let me I just, just recently let me just get through this point. You what's start to feel crazy when you're constantly in your house or doing errands or, clean there's always a project just like when you go to work there's always some pump you can fix or some tasting you can do or some pump over or a bottling or labeling or emails or you can budget or you can talk to the sales guy but you get to drive away from that when my like work day of erranding the kids and cleaning up from breakfast and trying to keep my like trim figure with a 45 minute workout I do once every three weeks you then the day is over and it's celebration and you're still in the same location and that's a place you're supposed to like find comfort and calmness and sexiness and release in yet you're still surrounded by all the same fucking projects because there's so many toys there's so many handprints all, all over the walls there's so much renovation that hasn't been complete there's so many light bulbs that don't work it's just it's it makes you go crazy it's like i'm describing every mom in the 1950s and through today and it's it's yeah i would say i would say every stay-at-home parent is experienced and you don't talk to any adults that's the killer it's not like you and your cellar master laughing about how there was a bat in that valve from that like perfect brown ranch wine we made in 2008 it's like there's you're like shyly waving to some mom across the playground who's wearing a mask and it's like it's 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 crazy and so then when your spouse gets home and says like i was on six really intense zoom calls today and i want some like respect and admiration and love i don't want an attitude when i get home or in your case i put you know 43,000 gallons of wine into a bottle and the thing was broken and the caps don't fit it's uh it's just like it's it's nobody's getting laid that's all I'm that's all I'm saying I mean we are but you know what I'm talking about like in an instant that 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 introduction to the end of the day 
can be so fraught with emotions and so difficult to communicate on. And it's uh, it's uneven. It's an uneven playing field, the worker and the non-worker. Well, totally. It, it's completely uneven, um, and they're different, and they're both equally important. Um, you know, I think that – I think – yeah, you know, man, I'm I'm sympathetic, and I try to put myself in your shoes all the time. Um, but it doesn't mean that like it's like I'm capable of just completely understanding how hard your work is. Well, it, actually, it's this. This is what I've discovered: is that just because you've experienced that, and I've experiences doesn't mean that I don't have needs and you don't have needs that we can't actually provide for each other because of how drained we are. So, you know, I think that's like the big takeaway for me is that at the end of the day, there's just often nothing left and it's sort of unfortunate, but, but do you, it's just the nature of the moment. Do you wish you could stay home with the kids all day ever? Um, because I mean, it's definitely great some days when it's like raining and everybody, including me, is in in their pajamas until like after nap, and it's like, what sort of no, I mean, pancake shapes should we like, make now? But the pro the problem with my current like current job is that like I don't leave my job at work. Hmm. It's like that on your like, phone. Is this a cell phone? issue no this is like me sitting down at a laptop and writing you know responding to emails that i didn't get to during the day and uh writing work orders so that i can buy some time the next day to not focus on those and maybe focus on phone calls um and connecting with growers or if i'm driving you know driving around it's like there's not enough time in my day to get all of my work done so my day doesn't end at 4.30, you know? And so then I have the added uh, guilt of coming home, not always being 100% present, um, trying to do my best to be a uh, thoughtful father until my kids go to sleep, then tackling the chores of home, which are, you know, profound, and finding my at night, you know, I'd left the house at 7 a.m. and it's 9 o'clock at night and I have the first moment that I could do something for me. But what I really need to do is sit back down at a computer and try to get ahead for the next day. Can you so, can you yeah. attach a bottle of wine in an email these days? Have they figured that out? Yeah, I mean, it's right below BCC. <laughs> and, and is there a... Uh, is there a is there wine NFT? Are you guys in the NFT universe? There are people doing it, but I like. Let's be honest. Like wine people are so dumb that like the wine brands that are playing in the NFT world, like, like they're just they're re, they're they're trying to figure out something to do to be relevant. So didn't we come um, up with dehydrated wine? Here comes my family to literally be on the podcast and that's good i think we could just hang up we got we have it's uh we've got great content from today and and whenever that other day was 
Wait, didn't we discover that there's like, is there instant wine yet? Can you just stir water into wine? I've I've got like super high end instant craft coffee now. Can we get? Yeah, some? I mean, there's got to be some crystallized wine out there. I don't know if you can do that with alcohol. Um, I sort of feel like alcohol is not a solid, stable substance. Um, but you know, couldn't you I'm just sure. like pour the vodka in on top of it? I mean, there's definitely companies that are trying to manufacture synthetic wine. Um, and they're very proud of themselves. And to me, it's just like, what's the point? Okay, um, okay so you're going to go on a vacation. And yeah. you're gonna, are you going to be able to relax? Are you going to be able to spend some quality time with your family? You feel like you're going to like give back a little bit into the... Uh, equanimity, equanimity. Never been able to do that one okay. of the uh, yeah. child rearing, and maybe also get a yeah. little like sleep and relaxation yourself. Fill the pot. That's the goal. Fill my own. Fill my family's. Fill each other's. You got a pot? I'll fill that. Um, yeah, that's that's the goal. It's just it also changes scene. Get the hell out of the house. Um, that's like a goal. That's a primary goal of all this. Yeah, I'm excited. And tell us how Kingsford Charcoal is made. Or whatever well, my whatever the story was. My, my understanding, I forgot who was there when I was like, oh, Rye. Rye told me, and Rye's a pretty good source of this shit. Um, he said that uh, the Ford Motor Company, when it first started, um, and this is sort of a problem that Amazon's having, um, all the parts that they were receiving when they were building... Um, the sort of early Ford cars, um, all the components came in wooden boxes. And as they grew, they just didn't know what to do with all of these wooden boxes. So they started grinding them up and creating a, you know, a, a biochar reactor, um, not a biochar reactor, but a charcoal reactor in the air curtain. And they started making charcoal out of all the excess waste wood product from shipping carpets. Wow, so do you think we're I'm do you think I'm still like burning through the original stock from <laughs> hopefully hopefully. They, but I was thinking like Amazon with all their cardboard issues should just be doing that too. How bad is it to burn charcoal in terms of like like can can you consider yourself an environmentalist and make barbecue on like real charcoal, which I know Kingsford isn't, but like the like cowboy charcoal or whatever. Lump the lump. I don't know. I haven't looked in I mean what you should do with all that charcoal if you want to be an environmentalist is bury it underground. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I've never I've never dove dove into that. All right. I just like the way it makes my food taste. Well, I think the um, the rice is almost ready in the rice cooker. One of the best wedding presents I got. Thank you. And uh, the coals. Who gave it to you? Uh, my sister and brother-in-law. Um, who oh. who? Uh, it, it's the Japanese. It's the real thing. They told us how to rinse the rice and then soak it, and little rice wine vinegar. I think everyone. It's a great tabletop appliance. Um, yeah, I don't probably think the best. Bona Bonavita doesn't make one, but. Um, Oh, I saw. Okay, so just because we've already done an hour and forty-five minutes on Craigslist, except not at all. 
Um, I want you to know that I sold the Bonavita insulated carafe on Craigslist for I, I listed it at twenty five. The guy wanted to give me fifteen. I got twenty. We met in the Voodoo parking Voodoo Donuts parking lot um, on week one of Homer. You blow it all on donuts? Well, I I did buy both Homer and I a chocolate ring, which is like well, is an excellent donut. It's just a giant raised donut with a bunch of corn syrup on top. And um, I I took that money out of my wallet and paid for it, and then received money for the coffee pot afterwards. So I think it technically is different. Um, yeah. But the guy was a mechanic at the Chrysler dealership where I take my Pacifica to get service. So I feel like it was kind of a sale to the community. And yeah. uh, it found another home. It didn't end up in, in, a, um, in a pile. In, in Yeah, and, and I don't know if you know what I'm referring to because I know you don't listen to the podcast. But um, how's your Bonavita one-touch working out? Uh, it's great. I mean, we set it up every night. We only get frustrated when we forget forget to to grind the coffee um, during you know tubby time, so that it doesn't disturb the kids once they're asleep. Very important. Um, but you know, I just sort of stumble out to the kitchen at six in the morning, smack the button, and then just stumble back to my bed, where I often find a couple of my children. Well, we all wish you good tidings and great joy on your vacation and um call the landline anytime 503-894-8480 i've been trying to get a recording of um a sound bath of bees in a cherry tree outside the house all day with homer but it hasn't been warm enough so i'm gonna go do that now and uh we'll be able to listen to this pod in a few days cool sounds awesome have fun thanks love for you pal talk to you soon thanks for being on bye landline Okay, this is the B recording, take four. Full disclosure, Homer's not with me. It's about five o'clock. The afternoon sun is on the tree, and I'm going to take a ladder up. Because they're, they're going for it now. And between me and you, I didn't think that the last recording was very good. See if I can get one good clip here and not get stung. Some nice growth there in the background. Production. Cheap government money put to work. Alright, that's it. That's the bees. Bees on March 30th. Happy birthday, Max. Okay, bye.
Festival. 